God teaches. Jesus told us to pray that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And your kingdom has come. God, we pray that your will would be done through us on earth like your will is done in heaven. God, I ask that you would make clear this morning the good news, the gospel. There's no greater understanding we can have in this world than understanding your desire to redeem us. So, God, teach us. Please clarify. Um, I ask that you would Holy Spirit, I ask that you would teach us your truth. So you would illuminate, that you would override our presuppositions and our preconceptions about what it means to know you and have a relationship with you. And teach us what a relationship with you can be, the glorious nature of, of the gospel. Cause us to understand what the freedom means that you've given us to be free. What that looks like and what that means. Cause us to, God, please, I ask you, don't let us walk out of here without a greater appreciation, gratitude, and dependency on your grace. Amen. So I'm kind of excited this morning. I was, um, I didn't, Another great week of studying. And there's a bunch of things that, um, some really cool things coming up. Cool things, yeah. Just powerful, powerful words. Some of them we've heard all our life and it's kind of, it was exciting to go through them. And then as God sometimes does, he, <clears throat> last couple of days started taking me a different direction, realizing how important it is to clarify definitions. So I guess that's where that's why I'd like to go this morning. I would ask you to please open your hearts and and listen. There's a there's a lot of misunderstanding, um, and God doesn't want us to have misunderstanding. He wants us to be united in understanding His truth. So. I would ask you to open open our minds, open our hearts to God's truth, what it means, what it looks like. All of us, all of us, myself included. It's been a sweet couple of days. Um, I spent one day all reading through John. And gosh, what a, it was a sweet time to, I guess, in a sense, sit, sit under the teaching of Jesus again. Um, tough. He's pretty tough. But it was a sweet, sweet thing. So, there's some statements that are made, and we talked about them last week, and I guess it's what really brought me to feel the need to try to clarify and and solidify what God means by it. One of the verses, the foundational verse, what we did in chapter 5, verse 17 of 2 Corinthians, it says, Therefore, if any man is in Christ... 
He is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. What what does that mean? You know, I, I it, it doesn't mean that um, you quit drinking and now you eat donuts on Sunday morning. You know, it, it, what what does it mean? You know, what what how does that look in our life? How do, what does that mean to us? I mean, there there's just there's so much of Second Corinthians talks about that um, about being born again. And I and I really feel like it's important to to clarify. So God help me. Here we go. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Several, all of us, pretty much everybody here has has heard me make this statement over the last couple of years um, that I believe is is true. Absolutely true. And, and the reason that I will continue to harp on it is because it's a foundational deception um, in this culture. And that's it. Are we saints or are we sinners? What are we? That's a, uh, um, something that has brought a lot of ad- adversarial conflict and... and Dispute and anger, um, and people have walked away. And I have yet to have anybody talk about what the word says. You know, what, what does the Bible say? Or stand on what the Bible says? So that's you know that that song that Levi that, that the kids led the last uh, song. It's one of my favorites. Um, one of my favorite songs, not necessarily because it's such a cute tune. Uh, I grew up with it, so the familiarity is good. But but the words, when we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, in the light of His Word, in the truth of His Word, what a glory He sheds on our way. As we do His good will, He abides in us still, and with all that will trust and obey. Trust and obey, because there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. I mean, that is that is as, as solid of a foundation as we can stand on. Trust and obey. That we need to trust God and we need to obey what He says. So we need to walk in the light of His Word, what what the Word says. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things are come. You know, one of the misinterpretations in the difference are, are what are we? Because the Bible is really clear to, to, to make, to tell us who we are because it's very important that we understand and we have confidence in, in what the meaning of the gospel is to our lives. Are we, are we saints that sin sometimes or are we sinners? They can't help it. And there's a, there's a big, big difference. There's a huge difference in it. And the, and the difference, the distinction is, how do we respond to sin? Which bottom line is, how do we respond to God? How do we respond in obedience to God? And this, this is a very critical thing. One of the misinterpretations that has been bantered around 
over the last few years. Um, and, and you guys, this is a this is a profound truth. So it's really important that you grasp it. Don't. If, it's all right that you struggle with it. If you don't struggle with it, you're not facing the reality of the culture you live in because the culture has lied to you and given you a very strong presupposition about it. But don't remain in opposition or in that struggle because there is truth. One of the one of the main arguments that's come against it um, is 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 the statement: Are we sinless? Um, no, we're not sinless. As saints, we are not sinless. Okay. So, what does it mean? What's the difference then? The difference again is how we respond to this mortal body, to this flesh, to disobedience to God. Okay. We 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 need to start from the right. Understanding that we are all slaves. I know as Americans we don't think we're slaves. But we're slaves. Okay? Everybody on the face of this earth is a slave. The issue is what are you a slave to? Are, are, are you a slave to, to your flesh? Are you a slave which is controlled by the prince of the power of this world? You are either, you are born in slavery. You are born, we are not born free men in America, free women in America. We are born into slavery. And we are born into bondage to sin. And we have no choice. We have no choice but to be in rebellion to God. And the end result is the end result. We are born in rebellion to God and we are born to be eternally separated from Him. Known as hell is the place that we will live in, in eternal separation from God. We're in slavery to that. We're bound to that. We have no choice in it. We're bound to the law of sin and death in our lives. That's the reality of every human on the face of the earth. We're not free. The devil would like us to think, the deception would like us to think, religion would like us to think we're free to choose. Religion would, and it would even go so far at times to go, okay, we're born in slavery, we're born in, in bondage to sin, and we have no choice, but now we're free. Now we're free to do what? Well, now we're free to either sin or not sin, depending on what we feel like. Really? Is that what, is that what we're free to do? We are free, the Bible is very clear, we are free to be slaves of God. We are free from the bondage of sin that we have no choice in. That's the two choices. This neutral ground that thinks, I'm free. I can either choose to be a slave to sin, or if I feel like being good, and, you know, I better step up a little bit. I'll, I'll be, be a slave to God. But if I feel like being a slave to sin, I can be a slave to sin, or I can be a slave to God, or I can be a slave to sin. This is my choice. I can choose. I can choose to be a slave to sin or a slave to God. That's a lie. That's a lie. Okay. The, 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 the choosing to be a slave to God while you choose to be a slave to sin is a lie. Um, that's a deception from the penalty. You're not a slave to God if you're a slave to sin. Period. Period. So, the freedom that we come to, so what are you a slave to then? Oh, well, I'm a slave to 
to sin, but I'm a slave to religion. Because that's what it really boils down to. I'm a, I'm a slave, I'm a sinner, but I can do good things so that God is pleased with me. You can say, well, this is, this is David. Let, this is not David. Let, let me, let's read a couple of, and, and I hope that over the last couple of years that things have become clearer as the Bible seems to show and show and show and unfold this truth. Because we can go back to, to a passage, to a couple, a lot of places. I mean, that was the, probably the difficult thing again this week is where, where do we go? Where do we read from to, to clarify this? It is not that we are sinless. It's just that we have the freedom to not be in bondage to sin. We have the freedom to be in bondage to God. And, and that's a, that's a radical distinction. When it, it, it looks like this, and I'll say it, and then we'll read some, what the Bible says, says the same thing, but the difference is when we approach sin, if I'm a born again person, if I was filled with the power of God and the resurrection power of my life, it's how I confront sin. If I do not have the resurrection power of my life, I don't have the choice but to be submissive to my flesh. Because I'm not dead. My flesh is alive. My flesh is in control. My flesh empowers me. My flesh directs me. Now I can try to white-knuckle it. I can try a 12-step program. I can try to control myself. I can discipline myself. This world is extremely, especially our country, is extremely arrogant in its self-discipline. Whether I'm a marathon runner or I'm a this or I'm a, I'm an athlete on some sort, even on a on a small level, it's an amazing thing. I mean, when I was a kid, if somebody was running down the street in a pair of tights, man, you shot them, you know, or, you know, that was a, that was a freak show, you know? I mean, it, you know, something was wrong. You know, nobody ran, you know, for the heck of it, you know, doing it. I mean, that was a, you were stealing something, or something was wrong, you know, doing it. So, I mean, obviously, though, in, in just, in the few years that I've been alive, and it's not been that long, Levi, but in, you know, in, in, in the last 40 years, it's amazing how that's changed. That now, I mean, we begin to move a little out of it, but we, we, with this culture of physical discipline, um, and we're pretty arrogant about it. You know, we think that we'll live longer. We think that we'll that we're more virtuous. Um, we honestly believe that we we're more right because we live that way. Um, self-discipline does not lead us to God. Self-discipline, we're going we can go to hell in the best shape we've ever been in our life. Um, it, not that it's wrong to be disciplined, not that it's wrong to buffet your body, not that it's wrong to train. You know, we're not to be in bondage to anything, um, and, and we're not to be gluttons, and we're not to be covetous, and we're not to be a drunkards, and we're not to be a whole lot of things. But those aren't righteousness, and those aren't going to take us out of hell and into heaven through self-discipline. The difference in how I respond to sin is that in my flesh I really have I have no choice. And so I try and I try and I try and I try to be good and I try to be better and I try to eliminate something out of my life because then my life will be better for it. But the truth is I really have no choice. The, the Bible is very clear that we are not only in bondage and in slavery to the flesh, we are in slavery, slavery excuse me, 
to the most wretched of taskmasters, and that's Satan, who runs this world. Okay? We are in slavery to him. We are slaves of his. Now, in this, in this culture, in, of this valley particularly, he makes that look kind of pretty. What a blessed life you live. You know, whatever it be, whether it's flying a jet or, you know, ride your mountain bike, doesn't matter. Worship the earth or do whatever. He makes it look good that we're in slavery. We don't see it as being the wretched taskmaster that he truly is. But we really have no choice. The distinction in a born-again person is I have the choice to be obedient and surrender to God. And, and to not willfully disobey. To trust and obey. Because there's no other way to be happy in my relationship with God than complete submission. The distinction comes when I am tempted to sin. When I am, when I desire for self-expression. When I, um, want to get angry. When I, when I covet what somebody else has. When, when I want to, whatever it might be. Whatever sin might, might be drawing me or pulling me. The distinction is that I can cry out to God and say, God, I surrender to you. See, acknowledging Jesus Christ as the Messiah, acknowledging Jesus as Lord, um, that means that you will act differently. That is not an intellectual understanding. We, we have a hard time understanding the Antichrist because we tend to think that, well, the Antichrist is somebody who denies Christ. They deny the existence of Jesus. They don't deny the existence of Jesus Christ. It is not a matter of denying Jesus Christ, the existence of Jesus Christ. You know what's a matter of denying? The Lordship of Jesus Christ. And the Antichrist denies the Lordship. And the spirit of the Antichrist denies the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And the tragic thing in our culture is we believe, do you believe in Jesus? Oh yes, I believe in Jesus. Do you believe God, Jesus died and rose for your sin? Just, I believe Jesus died for... And then I, I live my life not believing in the Lord, the absolute Lordship of Jesus Christ. And if you do not... Because believing in the Lordship of Jesus Christ means submitting to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And if we do not submit, if we do not trust and obey, we're denying Jesus Christ. Even though we say with our mouth, oh, I believe in Jesus. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. It really doesn't matter what you say with your mouth. Are you submissive to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Because if you're not submissive to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, that's the spirit of the Antichrist. And we think, well, no, wait, I'm not the Antichrist. I believe in Christ. I'm not. That, that's a bad, that's really terrible. That's a ter- you know what? It's really terrible to not submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's to deny Jesus Christ and who he claimed to be. Jesus didn't just claim to be, well, I'm, I'm your life insurance policy. I'm your savior. Say this prayer. Now you're in. Put me on the shelf and live your life as good as you can. And then someday we'll go to heaven. Jesus never said that. He claimed absolute authority in our lives. Absolute lordship in our lives. Okay? We do not, we do not claim to believe in Jesus or know Jesus and not the Jesus of the Bible, and deny his absolute lordship in our life. That's a different Jesus than the Jesus of the Bible. We don't believe in the Jesus of the Bible then. We're denying the Jesus of the Bible. It doesn't matter that we said, I believe in Jesus Christ. If we don't believe, if we don't submit to his lordship, because that's what he said. 
That's what he said. So, what happens in that part? So, what we think is that we, in our culture is that we can give intellectual ascension to the fact that Jesus lived. Oh, I believe in Jesus. What do you believe about Jesus? Well, I believe he died on the cross. He rose from my sins. I believe. Do you believe in the lordship of Jesus? Because if you do not believe in the absolute lordship of Jesus Christ, you don't believe in Jesus. And the work that he did on the cross and his resurrection, the power of the resurrection, have virtually no meaning in your life if we do not surrender to the lordship of Jesus. That's what death means. That's what it means identifying, being baptized into the death of Jesus. What was, what was Jesus' response? We're to, we're to, we're to have the same response. He absolutely was submissive to God, completely submissive to God, to the point of death. It wasn't just about his death. It was absolute submissiveness and surrender to God. It, it, was, it was acknowledging God's lordship over his life and his obedience. And our identification, our participation in the death of Jesus means us doing the same thing. Not sort of. Because to sort of believe and to sometimes believe and to believe when we feel like we want to is deny the reality that Jesus is Lord. The only way that we acknowledge that Jesus is Lord, that we truly believe that Jesus is Lord, is by our lives surrendering our lives to his Lordship. Period. Otherwise we are denying who Jesus Christ is, who the Messiah is. Okay? So, what, what happens when we do? And th- this is the, the, the radical distinction that happens um, between the cultural gospel and the gospel of the Bible. Because what we believe is that Jesus died for our sins, so he paid for all our sins, and now I live under God's grace. And we define God's grace as that God no longer will judge me for my sin. That God no longer sees my sin. That it's okay that I sin. It's okay that I do and act the way I want to act. Because God's forgiven it. In chapter 6 of Romans, Paul says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? That's another way of saying what I just said. That's another way of saying what I just said. What then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? Because, isn't that true? That if I sin and God doesn't see my sin, that just means that His grace is great and His grace is greater and His grace covers my sin. And the more that I sin, the more His grace needs to cover my sin. So, so His grace abounds even greater. So if I sin, God even shows His grace greater. What does Paul say to that way of thinking? Because obviously, people thought of it in the time. He says, may it never be. In verse 2. Okay? May it never be. And I don't know quite how to say that in English. Because that's really not English. That's a very, you know, I can think of a lot of ways, but they would have expletives that might not go so well. Okay? That we would say, no. No. Okay? How shall it be, he says, how shall we who died to sin still live in it? Okay? This is, this is a, this, this is very important. So I would ask you, you can, you can deny the gospel, 
You can run from the gospel. But uh, let me just say, I, I want to I read this because it's, it's absolutely my heart. Okay? In verse 20 of 2 Corinthians 5, and it's probably what really pushed me this direction in the last few days, what God uses, in, in, chap, in verse 20 of chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, he says, Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ. Okay? Paul is, we are, we are ambassadors of Christ. As though God were entreating through us. As, as though God were trying to draw people to him through us. Because that's what's happening. Okay? Therefore, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. I would say that's what I'm saying right now. I'm begging you. Be reconciled to God. This... There's nothing else in this world that matters. Be reconciled to God. God desires that we are reconciled to Him. God has done everything necessary to reconcile us to Him. And yes, I'm begging you. Be reconciled to God. How are we reconciled to God? How shall we who died to sin in chapter 6 of Romans still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Again, that's not talking about water baptism. All of us have, who have been fully immersed, is what baptized means, into Christ Jesus, have been fully immersed into his death. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. In order that, in order that, why are we buried with him? Just because he's this, you know, sadomasochist and wants to, us to suffer in a, the ground buried or something, or die to ourselves or as oppressive, that's not why. Therefore, since we have been buried with him through baptism and death, in order that, as Christ has, was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. If any man is in Christ, in Second Corinthians, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. What are the new things? What does that mean? What does that look like, a new creature? What does that new creature look like? In order that, we've been buried with him, given up the right of our life. I, I absolutely and totally surrender the lordship of my life to Jesus Christ, to the Messiah. Okay? That's how I identify in his death. That's how I am buried with him. Okay? Through baptism into death. In order that, as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life as a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. What does that mean? For if we have become united with him, Listen to this. If we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, what's the likeness of his death? He was completely surrendered to God, to the point of death. His life was not his own. He lived his life in complete surrender to God. Okay? Are we called to that? Yes. And if we, that, that, that is the only way that we come to the point of being, identifying being baptized into his death, 
So that, in order that, as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was, our old self, the flesh, our old self was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with. Did you hear that? Old things have passed away, behold, new things have come. That our body of sin might be done away with. That bondage to sin, that, that flesh that is in rebellion to God that we are born with. That's what we're born with. We're born in an adversary relationship to God. But, through our identification, full immersion into the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that body of sin can be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin. No longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. There's two sides to this. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died for sin. Once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves, Paul is speaking to us, God is speaking to us through Paul. Even so, he says, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. This is, that's what it means to be born again. Okay? That, and, and, and how does this look? So here on the one hand, we have this mortal body. Okay? What does mortal body mean? Mortal means having death in it. Okay? We can be confident of this, and I become more and more confident, I guess, as the years go by, that, that, that this body has death in it. That I'm going to die. That even though this body is decaying daily, that's what's going to happen. I'm going to die. Okay? This body is going to die. And it's not just physical death. This body, again, is born in with the effects of sin. We, we want to... We, we somehow want to believe, and, and another misunderstanding of this might be, is, where's the sinless pill? You know? I mean, so, so if, I, if I have this born-again experience, and, and you're saying, then, then we're set free from sin, so take this pill and I won't ever want to sin again. Oh, no, that's not going to happen in this life. Okay? Why? Because we are still bound in this body of flesh. But, but we live, but we can live as born-again people different. The rest of the world, they're stuck in this body of death. Period. And they will die in this body of death in rebellion to God. Okay? If we are reconciled to God through the work of the cross, through the death and resurrection of Jesus, if we are reconciled to God through that, now we become transformed. What happens? Is that if I die, if I surrender the Lordship, my life, to God, what does he say? He says that I will give you the down payment. 
I will give you the beginning. I will, I will give you truly eternal life in the Spirit. And I will put that in you. He says that you will take your body, will take on a supernatural, eternal, kingdom of God aspect. You will become alive. We are born dead in our trespasses and sins, in our, in our rebellion to God. We're born dead. And we will live dead until our body dies and we eternally live dead in separation from God. That's life. And we're slaves to it. We're bound to it. We have no choice in that. There's one hope. There's one hope. And that's to be born again. And if we're born again, he says that the Spirit of God, the eternal, true, eternal nature and reality of God comes and lives in us. That's a wild deal. This is not just an intellectual ascension that we give to something. This is not just an intellectual agreement about something, okay? Or an intellectual understanding. This is truly an experiential, supernatural act that happens. So, if the Spirit of God comes, I, I suddenly become completely free of sin and there's no longer any, I, I no longer will sin anymore. Probably not. Okay? Why? He just said that we're freed from sin if we're, if we're in his death. The difference is, what will happen when I'm confronted with resurrecting my mortal flesh? Okay? Because this mortal flesh, as long as I am living in this body, will try to scream. We'll try to live itself out. We'll want to self-express. We'll want to be in charge. We'll want to be Lord. And it will get some help. It will get some help by the prince of the power of this world to express, to resurrect itself, to come back from the dead, to at least walk as a zombie, to resurrect itself from the dead. Okay? So, what, so how does that work? On the one hand, I've got this supernatural nature that is freed from sin. On the other hand, I've got this body of mortal flesh. If I do not have this supernatural nature in me, if I am merely a religious man trying to do what is right and do what people say is the right Christian thing to do, I, I will have no choice but for this body to live. For this mortal body to live, to act out, to express itself. No choice. But when I have the supernatural expression of God, the supernatural power, the resurrection power, he says time and time again, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that empowered him to walk around in the newness of life, can be in us. This is not kidding, and it's not just theoretical. This is experiential. Okay? So that when my flesh decides that it wants to lead, that it wants to come back to life, that it wants to raise, I can say, no God, I surrender to your Lordship. Period. We're not to struggle in white knuckle sin. I don't want to. Maybe I want to. Maybe I kind of want to. I want that piece of chocolate. I don't want that piece of chocolate. Oh, I can't eat it. It's going to make me sick. Oh, it's going to make me fat. I don't want to, but I really want to. But I really want to do. You're in trouble. You're in trouble. Okay? That's not how we deal with sin. What do I do? I surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. When I am tempted to do something that I know God tells me not to, it is as simple as I surrender to you, God. I submit to you. And you have set me free from the bondage of sin. It no longer has control over me. It no longer dominates me. 
It no longer is, is, is the master of my life. I'm dead. I'm dead. I don't have rights to my own self. I don't have it. When I want to get mad, when, when every, whatever way the flesh wants to express itself, when I want to think things I shouldn't, when I want to be selfish, when I want to be angry, when I want to do whatever, I have the immediate ability to cry out to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and say, no, I submit to you. In the supernatural power of God, what does God say? No temptation will overtake you but such as is common to man. And God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able? Period. Statement of God. But will with the temptation provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it? Will I be tempted in this flesh? Yes. Will I sin? Probably so. What do I do when I sin? What happens when I sin? Is, is there any... There's a complete distinction between me sinning in me being in bondage to sin. Okay? What is the difference? My response. My response to God. When I sin, do I... Confessing your sin is agreeing with God about it. It is not saying, I'm sorry. I'll try more next time. That has nothing to do with the gospel. I'm sorry, I'll try better next time. God says, you've been set free. It's not about you trying more. It's about you submitting to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's about you dying. It, it, this is not about you trying harder next time, and I'm sorry, and I know, but I just can't help myself. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That, that is the flesh trying to be. That is this person. I can choose to follow God. I can choose to follow my flesh. I can choose to do which one. No, you're choosing to follow your flesh. You're choosing to follow religion. But you're not choosing to follow God. Because God says that the supernatural resurrection power sets you free from the bondage of sin. So you're no longer in bondage to it. Reality, God, I submit to you. This is what you say. This is what you call me to. This is what you say is disobedience and sin to you. And I will not be in rebellion to you. That's acknowledging the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's acknowledging Jesus Christ as the Messiah, as Lord. That's believing in Jesus. Because I, I, I acknowledge you as the Lord of my life, and I submit to that. And he says that resurrection power is at work in you. You're free. You're not in bondage to sin. That has no meaning. The words that I say have no meaning if I am not submitted to God, if it's not for the resurrection power. Let's read a little bit more. Uh, actually, let me go somewhere else. No, but. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lust. And lust don't just mean lusts or desires gone out of control. Lusts aren't necessarily sexual. Lusts are our own flesh crying and screaming out and wanting to please itself and do what it wants to do. Okay. Whatever it might be. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin. Do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. But present yourself to God as those alive from the dead. And members as instruments of righteousness to God. 
For sin shall not be master over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. Oh. I mean, I thought grace said that we don't have to be obedient to the law. We're not under the law anymore. That means that we don't have to obey the law. We can just choose and God forgives us for our sin. That's not what God's grace means. God's grace is His unmerited favor towards us. God's grace is His, His allowing us to be reconciled to Him. To have a right relationship with Him. Not based on our goodness. Not based on our deservedness. Not based on our works. Not based on how we can please Him or we can make Him happy. But we can have a right relationship based on His love towards us. Because God wants to redeem us. Because God wants a relationship with us. Not because we even want a relationship with Him. God's grace is that I will, I will draw you to me and I will provide a way for you to have a relationship with me based on the fact that I love you. Not on your works. Not what you can do to please me. Not because you deserve it. That is God's grace. God's grace is, is, is allowing us to be free from the bondage of sin. Not because we deserve it. Not because we haven't been very rebellious. Not because we don't deserve to go to hell. But because God loves us and God provided and paid the totality of the way for us to have a relationship with Him. Jesus dying for our sins isn't just our past sins. Isn't just for what happened. Jesus died not just so that we can be reconciled to God and stand before Him in the righteousness of Jesus, not based on our righteousness, but on the righteousness of Jesus, but He also died to set us free from that bondage. And the, the, the issue with the death and resurrection of Jesus, it becomes very, very daily experiential. It's not just something in an event that happened that, that matters in eternity. It becomes very daily experiential. That the resurrection power of Jesus is now in me. The resurrection power of God is now in me to set me free from the bondage of sin. To empower me to be obedient. Okay? For sin shall not be master over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. What, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? We need to put this in contemporary English because this is a statement that's said all the time in the contemporary gospel. Shall we sin, sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? May it never be. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms, so you can understand it, because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now, so now, present your members because of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification, being set apart. For when you were slaves to sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things for which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. But now, having been freed from sin, 
and enslaved to God. We might not like those terms like obedience and submission and being enslaved. God uses them. Because that's what it means to have a relationship with Him. But now, having been freed from sin, what's that mean? Free to do what I want and enslaved to God. You derive your benefit, resulting in sanctification and the outcome, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God, the grace of God, the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Let me read. We spent a lot of time as guys, uh, I don't know, a year or so. It's been a long time now already. In First John. And, and I can say this, it was, it was impactive on my life hugely, and I'm confident it was impactive on all our life. Let me just, let me read a few things out of 1 John, because one of the reasons it was impactive, it was hugely troubling. Hugely troubling. I mean, we spent probably six months there. Um, and in, in it, it seemed difficult to understand. I hope that as men we find it clear, and I hope that as the rest of us, we begin to see what he's saying because it's very, very important. First John, John was the brother of Jesus. I mean, he knew Jesus. He hung with Jesus. He knew Jesus. First John is probably was was one of the first books. Uh, the the Gospels that the were the first books to be canonized or to be put in the um, regarded as as sacred and inspired by God to be preserved as the Word of God. Um, God led them to do it. The, the second book after the Gospels, or the fifth book, you might say, was First John. Okay, they've always been recognized as is the foundational, inspired Word of God. Um, it's a very, very important book, and and if and if we're entrenched to the degree that we're entrenched in contemporary understanding of the gospel and Christianity, we will find it extremely troubling. Okay? Extremely troubling. So, let's read it. Be troubled or be blessed. Okay? Or both. A little above is good. Let me... First John, um, chapter 1. I'm, I'm going to... There's a few things that I want to read here because... I don't want anybody walking out of here going, well, yeah, David said this, but he's whacked. I mean, I understand your desire to say that and reason for saying that, but, but I need you to go out of here and go, the Bible said this. If you're troubled, you really need to take it up with God. Okay? What does it mean? What did you mean, God? Okay? Pretty directly, but let's read it because it's, it's hard for us to understand directly. Let me, there's a few places in here that I want to read that give a good explanation of it. Okay, are we, are we saints? If we're born again, what is the, which aspect of our life dictates our character? Think about this for a minute. Is it the dead man that is bound up in this mortal flesh of mine that I live in? Or is it the resurrected man that is empowered by the Holy Spirit? Is it the eternal nature of me that is now alive? Okay? What dictates my character? 
What determines how I act? Okay? That's huge. Because if, if my mortal man determines who I act, I am a sinner that has no choice but to be a sinner. And I have no power to do anything about it. And I would go so far as to say, because God says it, then you are not the temple of God. We're the Spirit of God. If you were in bondage to sin, you are not the temple of God. Okay? Because the God's Spirit comes in to those who die. Give up the rights to themselves. And as the mortal body tries to resurrect itself and tries to scream, they continually, what's he say? The dying of Jesus is evident daily in my life. I, daily I get up in the morning, take up my cross and follow Jesus. Why? Put it back to death. If it decides, forgets after I wake up that it's dead. Okay? I take up the cross of Jesus. That was an implement of death, nothing more. This wasn't get up and be spiritual and Worship a crucifix on your wall. Jesus hadn't died yet, and they didn't see it as a sacred thing. They saw it as a wretched, terrible instrument of death. That's all the cross was for them. This wasn't a sacred emblem. This was a wretched implement of death. And when Jesus told them, get up daily and deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, they knew what he meant. This wasn't put on your... Whatever. Your holy clothes and go out doing it. This is dying. And they understood that. That there was an implement of death. So this mortal being that's in you. This mortal being that was born in this body. That was raised up in a family. And came to an understanding and knowledge about God. And what do you do with that? Do you recognize the Lordship of Jesus Christ and submit my life totally and completely? Am I baptized completely immersed into his death? And then, when the mortal body begins to raise itself, it's dead. I take up my cross. I put it to death. I am obedient to God. And I have the ability to do that. Not to be in bondage to sin. Because in bondage to sin is a denial of what Jesus did. Okay? Sin? Yeah. What happens when I sin? I confess my sin. I agree with God about my sin. And I repent and turn away from it. Period. They don't say, oh well, I'm just a sinner. Can't do anything. I'm just a sinner. No. You confess your sin. Agree with God about your sin. That's what confession is. And repentance is turning away from it. Okay? Period. Done. Acknowledging the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I no longer have the authority, but wait a minute, I might want to erect, I might want to resurrect it. So let me, what do I have to do to, so that I can kind of be okay with you and, kind of be okay out here and, and still if I need it, you know, for a little satisfaction or a little pacification or a little fulfillment or a little something on my in life, I can, resur- you know, come back and resurrect it and play with it a little bit, you know, whatever that might be. That has nothing to do with recognizing the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That is not death. That is not saying you are Lord and I surrender my life to you. So what does that mean? Well, that means you're probably in the process of coming, of following Jesus. That means you're probably in the process of trying to figure out who He is. And at this point in your life, you don't recognize Him as Lord. At this point in your life, you don't recognize Him as King of Kings. You don't recognize Him as the Messiah. Because to do that is to, is to completely surrender to Him. 
And to live our lives otherwise is deny that. And to deny who he is. So what's it say in 1 John? Because again, I don't want this to be David. And this is an important thing for us to consider. I'll start at verse 5. There's a few verses here. In the first chapter. And this is the message we have heard from him. This is John. John's real confident in this message. He was his brother. He lived with him. He walked with him. Okay? He's not confused about the message and what it is. He says, and this is the message we have heard from him, from Jesus, and announced to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Okay? If we say that we have fellowship with him, and yet walk in darkness, we lie, and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us From what? From all sin. Cleanses us. That means washes away. That means it's not just get rid of my guilt and shame and my past sin. Cleanses this mortal body from its insatiable propensity to sin. Okay? Cleanses us. If we say that we have no sin, oh, now here's where people stand. If we say we have no sin, then we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. That's very true. If we say that this mortal body doesn't have the ability to resurrect itself from the dead and put and, and, and stand on the throne as Lord of my life. If we say that's not true, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth isn't in us. But continue to follow. Don't stop there. But if we confess our sins, when that mortal body does that, when that mortal body rears its head and I submit to it and give the lordship of my life to myself, not to Jesus. We can, if we confess our sins, agree with God about our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us all our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. Now, let's be very careful. This is not an excuse, an alibi, or an understanding that I'm just a sinner, seeing God's okay with that. Because let's keep reading. My little children, I am writing these things to you that you may not sin. Okay? Well, I know, I'll try. No, that's not what he's saying. I am writing these things to you that you may not sin. Because you are not... If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not only ours, but also for those of the whole world. How do we take advantage of that? Advocate with the Father. We acknowledge Jesus as Lord of our lives. That he is the Messiah. We confess and agree with God that our sin is rebellion to him and we confess that we will no longer be rebellious to him. Okay? And he himself is a propitiation, the fulfillment for our sins, not only ours, but for those of the whole world. And by this we know. How can we have confidence? I said the prayer five times and I was baptized. I'm confident, man. I, I, I got the pen to prove it. By this we can know that we have come to know him. This is very important. If we keep his commandments. Oh, wait a minute. I thought we're not under the law. We're under grace. By this we can know and have confidence that we have a relationship and we know him. If we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. I didn't say that. I know it's politically incorrect for me to call somebody a liar. I didn't say it. 
John, the brother of Jesus, inspired by God, said, If someone says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments, he's a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has been perfected. By this we know. Here's another. Confidence. Okay? We want confidence. We need confidence. God knows that we need confidence and assurance. Okay? By this we know that we are in him. How do we know if we're in him or not? Okay? By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he, Jesus, walked. That's a mouthful. Because what do we do? We say, oh, but he was Jesus. He was Jesus. I'm just a sinner. I'm, I'm, just, a, I'm just a humble sinner. No, you're a tragic man in bondage going to hell. A, a humble sinner? This doesn't... What does that mean? That you're a humble sinner? That means that you're humbly rebellious to God? That means that you're humbly flipping God off? That means that you're humbly being disobedient and not regarding God as God, as Lord of your life? That's a pretty strong oxymoron. Those two words don't go together. Disobedience to God and humility do not go together. Obedience and humility go together, but not disobedience. A humble sinner, a humble person who has no choice but to sin because that's just the way I am, that is one of the great disguises of the devil because that is completely opposite. No, I'm just an arrogant man still in bondage to sin, not recognizing the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Okay? That's a radical difference. And in our culture, that's who we exonerate. I'm just a humble sinner. No, you're a proud, arrogant, rebellious man. I'm a humble sinner. God, Jesus came to set you free by you dying to yourself. Humility? Humility is subjecting ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Period. Period. Outside of that, we're arrogant and fleshly. Outside of that, we are not acknowledging God for who God is. He says that. But whoever, the one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. John knows how he walked. John knows who Jesus was. God inspired this and said it, and he means that. Can we walk as Jesus walked? Well, he just said that, that, that we need to, that we're supposed to. If you look through the Gospels, Jesus says that I will empower you to do the things that I've done. He tells us we are to walk as he walked. Well, we do have this problem of mortal man. Jesus had the same problem. Jesus had the same problem. He was man as we are man. Tempted in every way as we're tempted. The Bible is very clear on that. Okay? No, he was God. He was God, so he couldn't sin. No, that's a lie. 
If he could not sin, he could not pay the price for our sins. Okay? Period. He was mortal man, tempted in every way as we are. Okay? Tempted to sin. Tempted for that mortal flesh to control, to rear its head, to be alive, to not be submissive, to not be dead to itself. And yet he chose to always submit his will to his Father, to be obedient to God. So he did not sin. So he did not sin. We, as regenerated people, with the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in us, do we have that same choice? Yes, we do. We have that same choice. And that is the process that God, that's the process where that becomes our lifestyle. We should sin less. Will we be sinless? No. But we should certainly sin less as we live in obedience to God, as we're renewed in our minds, as, as we recognize who God is, as we put our faith to the test. What is putting your faith to the test? Well, when I'm tempted, when I have a hard time, God says, you will not allow me to be tempted what I'm able. But God says, don't do it. God says, be obedient to me. God says that in obedience to me is joy and peace and comfort and security. But how about peace and pleasure and temporary satisfaction and pacification and my immediate satisfaction at the moment that I want to achieve by doing what I want to do and acting the way and feeling the way I want to feel. Put it to the test and see. And as we live that and put it to the test and see, that is truly where joy is. That is truly where peace is. That is truly where satisfaction is. That is truly where power is. There truly becomes a longing in us to exist in no other place. There truly becomes a longing to never have that discord and disobedience and broken fellowship with God ever again. Because that is truly the place of happiness. That is truly the place of blessedness. The, the, the difference is how you respond to your flesh, how you respond to sin. Jesus never responded by giving in to his flesh. Jesus never responded. When Satan tempted Jesus and the devil, I mean, when, when Satan attempted tempted Jesus in the desert. He tried to get Jesus to give in to his flesh. He tried to get Jesus to resurrect that mortal man. And, and for that mortal man to become Lord and take charge and not recognize complete and total surrender and submission to God. That's what Satan did. That's what he tempted him with. That's what he, that's what he went after him hard with. Okay? Jesus didn't do it. He didn't do it. He didn't give in to it. And when Satan saw that, he went, in trouble on this deal. I better get this guy dead. Because this is, this, this is the Messiah. And he thought too. I believe Satan thought the same way the Jews thought. That the Messiah was going to come and set his kingdom up. And Jesus was going to set his kingdom up. So Satan thought, man, if I can kill this guy, he won't set his kingdom up and I win. No, he didn't understand the process and what was going down. Jesus did establish his kingdom on earth. Jesus did establish his kingdom on earth. He did send the Holy Spirit, the supernatural, eternal nature of God, to live in us. Okay? Satan lost. Satan was defeated. Let me read a few more. Because there's... I, I would challenge you. Read First John. Be troubled. 
go after it hard because it's sweet. Chapter, how about verse 5, chapter 3? Okay? Because this is what believing in Christ means. And you know that He appeared, and you know that He, Jesus, appeared in order to what? To take away sin. Okay? And in Him, there is no sin. No one who abides in Him sins. No one who sins has seen Him or known Him. Little children, let no one deceive you. That's a big statement that it couldn't be more pertinent than to us today. Little children, that doesn't mean little children. That means us babes in Christ. Let no one deceive you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose that he might destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. By this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God nor the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message which we have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the evil one, and slew his brother, killed his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not marvel, brethren, if the world hates you. That's a powerful, powerful section of Scripture. You, you, you look at it and say, no, wait a minute. We're not a child of the devil. We're trying. We're trying to be good. We're trying to be do the right thing. We're not a child of the devil. No, that's, that's the two choices in life. You're in slavery to the devil or you're in slavery to God. Period. Period. You say, well, that's awful harsh. Well, God said it, not me. So that's the state of existence in this life. Okay? There isn't this neutral ground where I'm good. I'm being good. I am good. I mean, Satan's fine with letting you feel that way and taking you to hell. But I beg you, be reconciled to God. Because Satan is taking you to hell no matter how you feel. If you're not a slave to God. If you're not surrendered to God. If you do not acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It isn't a matter of saying with your mouth, I believe, or Lord, Lord. It's a matter of acting out on that. Your life is lived under the understanding and submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Period. Period. When I am tempted to sin, I surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Period. And, and, and I can be set free from sin. I now choose to do what? Now I choose to deny Jesus or accept Him. Now I choose is a person who understands the truth, who understands God. Now I choose to say, screw you, God, or I submit to you. 
That's a choice we make. Okay? And I have the ability to say, God, I submit to you and be free. Free from the power of sin. Free from the bondage. Satan was defeated. Prior to this, that, that didn't happen. The Spirit of God, the supernatural nature, the eternal nature of God did not dwell in men prior to the New Covenant. In the Old Testament, you were, you were just in trouble, always. By faith, you said, God, I need your forgiveness. I need, I need forgiveness of sin. I need a covering for my sin. I cannot be right with you based on my goodness. I need a Messiah, a Savior. And by faith, you killed animals and, and, and took a, a spotless lamb and spread his blood. But you didn't have the power over sin. Now we do. Now we do in the New Covenant. Now we are to live differently. That is the radical nature of what happened when Jesus came. That we're no longer under the law, that we live under the law, the law will produce no good. And if we want to act out and live under the law, then we have, we better get with it. Because if your righteousness does not surpass out of the scribes and Pharisees, you're not going to heaven. If you do not live perfectly under the law, you're in trouble. Now we are under the grace of God. But that grace, that grace and that mercy and that compassion are not the, of, of the freedom to sin. They're the freedom to be free from the bondage of sin in our lives and to be obedient to God. Like people before did not have that. And we do now. Now we do. We can live that way. We can live free. I would challenge you. It, it's This is a... First John is a very, very important treatise. Um, and, and the reason it's so difficult is because it flies so in the face of contemporary... And it continually, continually... He, say, he says time and time again, if you say you love God and yet you do not keep His commandments, you're a liar. That's what he says. So, does that mean that we're empowered to keep His commandments? Yes, we are. That means that, can we be obedient to God? Yes. Does that mean that I am in the process of sanctification? It does. It does. How now I respond to sin, how I respond to my flesh reacting, is completely different than it was prior. And absolutely should be, because now I have the supernatural resurrection of power of God to set me free from the bondage of sin and let me live life. Live life in obedience to God. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, in Christ is a huge statement. Okay? In Christ. That means submitted to His Lordship. Acknowledging Him as our Messiah, as our Savior and Lord. You cannot take the Lordship of Jesus Christ out of who He said He was. Okay? If you do, you do not believe in Jesus. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, submitted to, baptized into Jesus Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. New things have come. What does that look like? That's a, that's a critical, and I beg you, be reconciled to God. God has done everything to reconcile us.
God, we our words our words do not show gratitude. Our lives show gratitude. Saying we're thankful, saying thank you, saying you're Lord, saying you're Jesus, saying you're whatever. I know you don't put any stock in that. What you put stock in is surrender of our hearts. Because that's true acknowledgement. True acknowledgement. Not, not with our lips. But true acknowledgement with our being, with our souls, with our hearts. Is surrender. Is submission to. Is acknowledging your lordship. You say that all of us, all of us, will sit before the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. All of us will be judged for our deeds, whether good or bad. We will all be judged. So therefore, therefore, because we know the fear of God, because that should bring fear and trembling, that we will answer to you. Therefore, we live our lives out. So, I ask you, God, to cause us to understand as we go through the next weeks what it means to sit before the judgment seat of Christ, what it means as born-again believers, what it means to your righteousness before God the Father, what forgiveness means. I ask you to help us understand that. Because he said all men, that includes us. What does that look like and what does that mean? How does that affect our lives? Does that mean we better start stacking up a bunch of good things? Because we've got plenty of bad ones. I'm confident the bottom line there is that that means that we live our lives from this point out in recognition of your Lordship. That we trust and we obey because there's no other way to find happiness and fulfillment in Jesus but to trust and obey. God, I thank you for the good news of your gospel that you have done everything necessary for us to be reconciled to the creator of the universe. For us to be reconciled to a loving Father who is King of King and Lord of Lords. You have done everything necessary to, to make the adoption sure into the King's court as children of the King with all the inheritance of the saints. It's, it's the sweetest sweetest news ever that we can be right with God that we can be right with you God I ask you to bless our time together today cause it to be good and glorifying to you I thank you that you give us your word you give us the light of your word cause us to see it to understand it cause us to live by it to obey Amen. So, anybody need directions? We're going to our house.